0: The following is a presentation of The Connection Church, a place where people are being set free. If you'd like to know more information about our community, you can join us online at ConnectionChurchNC.com. Yes. How's it going? Good. Everybody feeling all right? Good. That was good. Good worship this morning. Those guys always do an awesome job bringing us into uh, the presence of the Lord, if you would. Uh, put that picture, yes, everybody know what that is? It's an easy button, right? Staples, I have one, uh, had one on my desk for a long time, tried to find it to bring it in this morning, and I don't know what I've done with my easy button. But, um, so, uh, we live in a culture, we live in a, in a society where, where um this type of marketing is is uh everywhere, right? It's it's the easy button. Um when things get hard, right? That's what Staples is there for. When you need your print copy, something, something, whatever that needs, hit the easy button, they'll take care of it, right? That's the purpose, that's the, the uh what our culture, what our advertising tell us, uh, is telling us is that um, we need an easy button. Um it blows my mind because we can actually sign a piece of paper, put our name on it with little to no money down and walk away with a $200,000 home, right? We, we can we can take a piece of paper with bad credit, no credit, no credit checks, whatever, sign our name to a piece of paper and hop in a forty dollars or $50,000 vehicle and drive it brand new off the lot, all right? Life culture tells us that we need the easy button. All right? To in order to survive, you got to have a house, you got to have a car, you got to have these things. In order to survive, you got to have that easy button. You don't know, did you know that you don't have to go to school anymore? You don't. You don't have to go to school. In fact, you don't have to go to work. You can do it all online in your pajamas. I mean, that's what the commercials tell me. I don't have to have a job. I can get a job online. I can work from home. I can work on the interline, right? On the interweb, on the internet, doing that kind of stuff. I can go to school in my pajamas, right? I don't have to get up and go to class or do any of that kind of stuff. I can do it at home from the internet. Did you know that you don't have to work out anymore? You can take a pill and lose 100 pounds, Alright, and then you can buy that belly band thing that like shocks the electrodes all up in your abs, right? While you're sitting at home in your pajamas, working from home in your pajamas or being a student or whatever, and you can have a six pack, like two weeks right? It's easy button mentality. That's all we have to do. Everything is microwave, right? We want to put a steak dinner in the microwave for one minute, and then out it comes, right? We want to eat. We want it right now. We want it right here. We want the easy button. That is what culture tells us that we have to have. Here's the thing. What if easy wasn't always the best way to go? What if easy wasn't always the most safe road to take. What if easy wasn't exactly what this whole thing is about? Now we're in this summer blockbuster series. We're talking about marriage in particular today. Yeah, I did last week and did and we're going to this week and and if you have been married longer than your honeymoon has lasted, okay, you have at some point wanted an easy button. Right? I did. There's times where I want to do over button. All right? I didn't sign up for this. Let me, let me do over this button. I don't, I don't know about this, Jesus. I'm not, I'm not down with this. I ain't got time for that. Right? You know, the so, song goes. Um, anyway, yes, if you've been married longer than your honeymoon has lasted at points along the way, an easy button seems pretty nice pretty convenient to have but as i've been thinking as i've been praying and 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 kind of thinking about this week and and what what I, i want to share with you what i feel like god's asked me to share this morning is 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 the picture um that he's given me i want to share this with you okay i want a marathon marriage i want a marathon marriage okay a marathon is how far 26.2 miles, all right, 26.2 miles. Okay, now if I want to go out and run a marathon today, all right, I'm going to make it like maybe two, three, four miles, something like that, and then I'm done, right, and that's it. I'm not going to cross the finish line. I'm not going to get to the goal because I haven't been aware that I wanted to do that, and if I decide I want to run a marathon today, I can't just hop up and go do it, right? If you want your marriage, to be marathon quality. If you want your marriage to go the long haul, which by the way, that's how God designed that. Did you know it? Like the person that that you got married to is the person that, that you're supposed to be with until you stop breathing on this earth. Did you know that? That's the covenant that God has established. And if you want a marathon marriage, if you want your marriage to go the long haul, you got to change some things about who you are and what you do, who we are, what makes us up. If I want to run a marathon, it changes my sleep patterns, it changes the way I eat, it changes what I do, it changes how far I run, it changes the way that I that, that I think it changes everything about what leads up to the marathon. And if we want our marriage to work that way, we have to treat it like this. We have to understand the goal of marriage. We have to understand what marriage is about, and then we've got to have the right ingredients in order to make our marriage be marathon quality. So let's start with this question this morning. All right, here's the question. What is marriage? All right, don't skip over it. Don't think you already have the answer, all right? It's a little bit deeper, more complex than than we tend to think. What is marriage? Okay, see, if I don't know what a marathon is, then I might sign up for it and say, yeah, I'll do that. If I don't know that a marathon is actually getting out and running 26.2 miles in a row, like all of them in one shot, right, I might think, sure, yeah, I'll do a marathon. If I don't understand what a marathon is, I might sign up for that. If I don't know that a marathon doesn't include getting in your vehicle and riding the 26.2 miles, right, I might sign up. We have to understand, just like a marathon, understand what it is, understand why you're doing it. We have to understand what marriage is, or we will completely miss the mark. All right, we'll completely miss it. So let's, let's start at the beginning. All right, let's define what marriage is. In Ephesians 5, 31, it says this. If you've got your scriptures, Paul tells the, the church in Ephesus, watch this. For this reason, okay, therefore, a man will leave his father and his mother and hold fast to, uh, to his wife, and the two shall become one. The two shall become one flesh. Now now this is actually a quote that comes from Genesis chapter chapter 2, verse 24. Okay, this is right after God created Adam. It says that God formed Adam out of the dust of the ground. And he made made him and he breathed the breath of life into him. So Adam's alive, okay? And and God doesn't have a helper for Adam. Adam realizes that that he doesn't have a helper that's suitable for him. And so it, it says God create does the first surgery. Okay, God causes Adam to go to sleep, and, and out of Adam's rib, takes a rib out of Adam and creates Eve out of Adam. He didn't have to do that. He didn't do that with any other thing. He did it for a reason. Okay, then Adam wakes up, right, and he goes, whoa, <laughs> sexy mama. You know what I'm saying? In, in, in Genesis chapter 2, right above that, it says, bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh. Girl, you look good. I right, might not have said that last part. But um but he does say that, like like literally, that's like that's like Adam, you know, being a poet, like, man girl, what you doing tonight? You know, what you doing this weekend? Let's not hang out. And um and so so Adam is just intrigued by 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 Eve and, and he realizes what God has done. See, God has taken out of Adam and created Eve. And he realizes at that moment that they're designed. By God's created order, to be one, to be one flesh. <laughs> that blows my mind. Quick side note. All right, let me just throw this out there. Okay, um, is uh, this one is for free? Um, when when we're called, okay, to leave our parents. It says, for this reason, um, uh, a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife. When we are called to leave our parents, to leave our family, what that literally means is to depart and not take along. that's that's The the original language means to depart and not take along. Notice who's doing the action. The person that's leaving. We're called literally to depart. depart from our families to disconnect in such a way that we are becoming one with our spouse. See, I heard a guy once say that you cannot decide to go somewhere without equally deciding to leave the place that you are standing you can't decide to go somewhere without equally deciding to leave the place that you are currently at. All right. Leaving our parents, leaving our family is not always an easy thing but it's a decision that has to be made in order for marriage to be the way that God intended it to be. Now, now, don't jump the gun on this, okay? That doesn't mean that you gotta, you gotta move nine continents away, okay? There's not even nine continents, all right? Um, but, but literally, you don't have to go far, far away and say, you know, mom and dad, it's been fun. Thanks for raising me. I'm out, all right? Never gonna talk to you again. That's cool. You're never gonna see your grandkids. That's fine. You don't have to do that, okay? But what this means is that the intimacy that you have, the friendship that you have, the, the concern and the compassion and the grace that you have, the earthly accountability and confidant that you have is wrapped up primarily in your spouse. My wife is my best friend. All right? I don't, I'm not married to her just because I think she's hot, although she is Okay, I'm not married to her because she bears my children, although she does. I'm married to her because in her, I have found a confidant. I have found an accountability partner. I have found somebody that loves Jesus the way I want to love Jesus. And so we are doing this journey together. (laughs) I've left my family, still hang out with them, we still talk, we still do our thing, but she is my primary and the same for her we have to learn to leave in order to make that happen it goes on okay it says that you're you're to become flesh the uh, the uh, you will become one flesh okay get this this literally means to glue or to stick together to, to be grafted, all right? In the original language, the picture of this word is blood coagulating, okay? This is going to get just a teeny bit gross, all right? So, so like, like whenever you do a skin graft, right, if there's a, a big open wound somewhere, they take a piece of skin off of a good part, right, and they put it on the bad part, they graft it, and then over time, the blood begins to coagulate, all right? Means they fuse together, and then eventually, that, that flesh that they took off of one place and put it on the other heels up, and you can't even tell it's there anymore. It literally becomes one flesh. There's something miraculous, mysterious about how God takes two sinners from two completely different walks of life and fuses them together, grafts them in. They are made to stick. See, friends, this is why divorce is so ugly, because you're taking something that was designed to be one flesh, and you're ripping it apart. It's not designed that way. Something amazing happens in the covenant of marriage the way God intended. And then get this, okay? How do we define marriage? It's leaving your parents. It's, it's becoming one flesh. All those things. Then Paul in Ephesians throws a curveball. All right. He throws a gauntlet in verse 32. This blows my mind. See, watch this. Put up verse 32 it says this. This is a profound mystery. Okay. This mystery, mystery in the original language means it is something that is only given from God. Is something that we can't understand apart from God's revelation. Okay, so God is giving us something that we can only get from him. This mystery is profound. Profound, in uh, in the original language, is, is megas. That means big. All right, that's where we get our word mega from. It means deep. It means humongous. It means it's so much bigger than we can ever imagine. God says this mystery is profound. And then Paul flips the switch. And get this, he says. I'm saying that this is about Christ and the church. What? <laughs> so, what is marriage? It's not a guy that falls in love with a girl and they get married and they have 2.5 kids and they have this happy family and they buy a house and a car and the white picket fence with the american flag and a dog and they grill out on on the weekends and they do all the american dream things and chase that until they take their last breath and then die that's not what marriage is and if that is what you are pursuing then you're going to have a problem that is not what marriage is <laughs> See, marriage is a symbolism. Marriage is a shadow. It's a representation of the relationship between Jesus and his church. It's a representation of Jesus, the Son of God, in connection, in community with his followers us, the church. (laughs) And in order for us to have a marathon marriage, we've got to have right thinking about what marriage is. We've got to get this understanding. This is what marriage is. It's designed in a symbolism of Jesus in the church. It's more about our relationship with him than it is about our relationship with our spouse. You see, a God-centered marriage is understanding, get this, that in marriage... There is, God has provided a daily example of what it looks like to have a relationship with Jesus. A daily, earthly, human example of what a relationship between Jesus and his followers should look like. <laughs> so that's what marriage is. All right, that's the backdrop. we got to understand that, lay that foundation first. Now let's jump in a little bit get a little bit more practical in this idea. Get this, in Ephesians 5, jumping in at verse 25. Now watch, okay, um, it says, it talks husbands, okay? So so I'm a guy, I'm gonna talk primarily to husbands at this point, okay, but understand that because the symbolism is Jesus in the church, the church is men and women, correct? So even though husbands are the primary, we're the head of the household, we're, we're designed to, to lead the household as God intended it to be, don't, women, don't sh- turn it off, okay? This is for all of us. This is for all of us because we are his church. So watch this. It says, husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church. Stop right there, okay? We have a tendency to just run right past that and, and keep on going to the sacrifice part, and that's important. But here's the question that we have to answer this morning. What is Love. What is love? Baby, don't hurt me. Do, 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 do. Knights of Roxbury, come on! What? It's not, no, we have, to, we have to define what is love. It's not baby, don't hurt me, don't hurt me no more. All right? That's not what love is. There actually is a great definition for love, and it's found in Scripture. It's in 1 John uh, chapter 4, verse 8. Get this, it says, God is love. You know what love is? You want to know the greatest, most clear definition that I can give for love? It's God. It is God. You see, huh, love is not merely a, a character trait of God. It's not something that he decided to create one day. It is God. Love is God. God is love. It is his DNA. It's what makes him up. It's the very thing that he lives and breathes and is. God is love. We have to understand that because, see, I've heard people say that love is sacrifice and, and that love is selflessness and that love is, is patient, kind, and all that stuff in First Corinthians 13. Okay, get this. That is a byproduct of love. It is not a definition of love. Huh. You see, what we see plainly from Scripture is that 1 John 4 tells us the clearest definition of what real and true love is, is God himself. So watch this, okay? Husbands, give God to your wives just as Christ gave God to the church. Dang. Husbands, give God to your wives just like Christ came down, died on the cross for your sins, lived a perfect life so that we could get back into community with God. You want to know what love is? You want to know what a godly marriage is? Husbands, love your wife. Give God to your wife the way Jesus brought God to earth. Man, that is is truth that is real. And how did Jesus do this? It's one of the byproducts of love. It says he gave himself up. He gave himself up for her. You see, sacrifice was the on-road that Jesus used to get us to God Jesus sacrificed himself he lived a perfect life died on the cross for our sins that's how we got into community with God so that he might bring God to us and reconcile us back into community with God so husbands because we're the head of the household all right husbands what does it look like to give God to your wife if we're going to live like Christ, if we're going to have a godly marriage, if we're going to have a marriage that runs the marathon, that goes the, diff- the distance, what we've got to do is do whatever it takes to get God to your spouse. Do whatever it takes to get God to your spouse so that God would be evident in your spouse. Now, this does require death, and death is not easy. Right, Every single time that I choose my wife and my family over me, I have to deny a little bit of me. Jesus said, if you would come after me, you must take up your cross. You must die to yourself daily and follow me. That's what it takes is denial of self and saying something is more important. I'm running the marathon. I have a goal in mind, and so I don't want to settle for this right here, this selfish, and I don't want to give in to this right here, but I choose the marathon. I choose the marriage. I'm choosing to deny myself and let a piece of me die. Let it be stripped away. So that God might be seen. Now, I'm just going to get real um, for a second. Because this is a struggle, all right, for me personally. Now, um, when I come home from work, man, guys, you come home from work, listen, when I open the door to my home, I can recognize within the first .05 seconds whether or not my wife has had a good day. Alright, now females, y'all are way more intuitive than we are, but I don't have to have a whole lot of intuition to tell whether or not my wife's had a good day, okay? And when I open that door, I can just look at her face and go, nope, Uh, today was not one of those days. She ain't been with Jesus today, you know what I'm saying? But legitimately, and for real, it's what I choose next that matters, Because there's a lot of times where I recognize that. I recognize the tension in the room, and I choose to do nothing about it. Man, if I want to die to myself, if I want to give myself up for her so that I can make God evident in my home, you know what that looks like? That's me going, all right, I recognize the tension, okay? Hey, honey, get your Bible, go grab a coffee. Take your journal, leave, go. Go. Hang out with some friends, watch a movie, do something constructive, get out of the house. I got it. I'll give them baths, I'll feed them oatmeal, I'll, I'll do all those things, like whatever you want me to do, all right? All the, the, the evening routine, I'll take care of it. As a husband, does that mean that I'm going to have to stay up later? Yep. Does it mean that I'm going to have to probably get up earlier? If I'm going to commit to live my life for Christ, to be in the Word? Yep. Am I man enough to do it? I hope so. If I want a marathon marriage, Jesus better mean enough to me to do that. It drives me nuts that sometimes I don't. You want to know what it looks like to love your wife? Give yourself up for her. Bring God into your marriage. Guys, we've got to stop laying down. We've got to stop It's time for this generation to step up and be willing to die to ourselves. When's the last time you did devotions together? When's the last time you had a spiritual conversation with your wife? When's the last time you prayed together? When's the last time where moments got intense because of the Holy Spirit? Because God was present? Hmm. When's the last time that you served together? I'm not talking about volunteering in this church. I'm talking about going out on the street and giving food out, taking a bag of quarters and going to a laundromat and giving, and giving quarters to people who can't buy uh, washing machines and serving them together together. What does it look like for you to serve your community with your spouse to bring God into your marriage? I'm telling you, if you think about someone other than yourself, God will show up. God will be evident. It goes on in verse 26. Why does he do this? What's the purpose of God, uh, of giving God to your spouse? It says that Jesus did this that he might sanctify her. All right, that means to, to set apart, to be used for a particular purpose, okay? so So that she would be holy, all right? That holy, that doesn't mean like I'm better than you. It just means different. It means you look different. You smell different. You taste different. You don't look like the world. That's what holy means. It just means you're different. And so it says that Jesus sacrificed himself so that the church might be different than the world. We sacrifice ourselves so that our marriages might look different than the world. And it says, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word. Now, as I said last week, okay, The bride in the Jewish communities had to go through this ceremonial washing that basically meant she was a virgin. She was pure. That's what water does. It purifies. And in other cultures, in like the Roman culture and in other different faiths of this time, they had to go through this ceremonial washing as well that symbolized that they were fertile, okay, that they were going to be able to have children. That's that's the point of it, all right? In Judaism, um, marriage was very contractual. Like, you know, if you do this and I do this and I'll give you 500 cow for that girl and so on and so forth, that's what they would do. All right, in the Roman culture, it's can you have babies, all right? Can, can you provide for me a Roman wrestling team, all Right, That's what they're looking for. And so so um, that's what they would do is they would do these ceremonies um, to symbolize fertility, to symbolize purity, virginity, all these kind of things. Get this, water cleanses, right? Water cleanses, water gives life, and water sustains life. And so when it says that she was washed With water, with the word, okay? The symbol here is that Jesus is our purity. He's our abundance. That He cleanses us. He washes us. And that can only be found with the word, God's divine direction. See, Jesus didn't go anywhere or do anything unless He got God's divine say so. So, men, husbands, let me ask you a question Is that how you lead? Do you listen? Do you get away for a moment? In your prayer time, is it all about you? Or is it about your family? Is your heart broken for your wife? Are you compassionate for your family? Are you seeking God's guidance, saying, God, I don't know what to do, okay? I just need you to help me. I promise that if you stop talking and listen, he'll speak. The problem is, is that so many times we don't know his voice. You see, when we lead this way, it's like pure, clean water that washes away hurt, it washes away arguments, it washes away uh, sin, and it replaces it with abundance, with sustained life, with contentment in your marriage, with satisfaction. And get this, I love this. Verse 27, why did he do this? It says, so that he might present the church to himself. This blows my mind. <laughs> okay, so, so the picture here is a bride being given away to the groom. Okay? Who's doing the giving away? Jesus. Jesus did all of this so that he might present himself a pure bride. <laughs> Does that sound odd to you? I mean, I've never been to a marriage ceremony where the groom actually gives the bride away. I mean, you know, who gives this this woman to be married to this guy? I do. You know what I'm saying? I'll sign up, right? I did it. Um, Yeah, sure. The groom gives the groom, I mean, gives the bride to himself. It doesn't make any sense. But you see here... The reason that's in there is because it shows us that Jesus is the only one who is perfect. He's the only earthly, human, and divine person that fulfilled all of the requirements that God required for us to get back into community to be able to present a pure bride. See, it's only God that can set apart. It's only God that can cleanse. Only Jesus can do that. It's his work, not ours. And then I love this part. This blows my mind. It says that, that, that he did this, that he would, be, he would present the bride to himself, get this, in splendor, without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she might be holy and without blemish. Huh. So what does this mean for us? What does this practically mean for you and for me in our marriage? Husbands, do you want your wife to look beautiful? Do you want to find contentment and fulfillment in your wife? Do you want want to be completely fulfilled in her and by her? Wives, Do you want your man to be attractive to you? Do you want him to be completely fulfilled in you and you be completely fulfilled as far as earthly relationships are concerned? Do you want that? Do you want to have a sexy marriage? Do you want to have a vibrant marriage? You want to have a marriage that breathes life, that's magnetic, that when you and your spouse walk into a room, people go, dang. Not because you're all over each other, because you're magnetic. Because there's something that sets you apart. There's something that's different. Do you want that? For that desire to become a reality, it can only be fulfilled when we stop looking at ourselves, when we stop looking at the other person and going, you did this and you did that, and we turn our eyes to Jesus Christ because only He is perfection. Only He fulfills. Only He gives grace and covers faults and washes pure water with the Word. You want to have a marathon marriage? Do whatever it takes to get God evident in you and in your spouse. You see, what Paul was telling his Ephesian readers is that marriage is the closest human relationship that we have with our creator God. It's the closest version that we can get on this earth to a relationship with our Savior. And if we don't look at it that way, if we don't understand that it's designed that way, then we're completely missing the mark. Guys, Jesus loved the church not because the church was perfect and the church was worthy of love no in fact as the church we slapped him and we spit on him and we beat him and like an unfaithful wife we ran away and we chased after other gods and other things we were unfaithful you know why Jesus came after us why he loved us why he brought God to us He didn't do it because we're perfect and worthy of love. He did it to make us perfect and to make us worthy of love. And that's what we must do with our spouses. Your spouse is not perfect, they will not fulfill everything. But if your mission on earth is to be so intimate with the Father that the overflow is Jesus. And just by default you make them perfect. You make them worthy because it's just Jesus in you.